podcast back and better than ever first off hope everyone had a wonderful merry christmas happy new year early new year to everybody uh sorry this is like a day later than we said um you know things got a little caught up had to celebrate christmas with my other side of the family yesterday so busy few days i'm actually up in philadelphia right now at my uh sister and brother-in-law's place so if you hear any background noise that's what it is so don't ever sweat it. Uh, just me today. Not even going to go through all the games. Uh, I'm going to keep this one nice and easy. Just have a few thoughts from the games this weekend as we kind of set ourselves up here for the playoffs. A um, lot of big results changes the way that the overall standings and playoff team uh, playoff teams look right now. Uh, so lots to get into, and uh, we're not going to except since we're not doing every game, we're actually just going to go in from the games that I think are most worthy of talking about and. That game, of course, starts with the Baltimore Ravens and San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Ravens, I, I've been cautious to put them up in that top tier despite the record all year. Not that because they haven't played, but they've actually have a pretty strong, strong uh, strength of record, uh, strength of schedule as well. Their strength of victory puts them in the top of the league as well. I mean, look, they're a 12-3 football team, right? They've beaten pretty much everybody who's come across. They had a couple of weird games, a game against the Steelers, game against the Colts. Uh, I think they dropped one to the Browns too. Yeah, that crazy game. Uh, So all of their losses, you can kind of find a reason. Like every team has an inexcusably weird loss, right? The Colts were that. But the Colts are also a pretty good football team. Like I think we learned like they played bad on, on Christmas Eve. But as a whole, I think we can agree like, The Colts have been a really, really good football team. So that loss doesn't look as bad as it did before, especially in the moment when it happened. The loss to Cleveland, again, Cleveland's a 10-5 and football team right now. Uh, I think they were starting DTR in that game. It was the pre-Joe Flacco. No, it was was Deshaun's last game. Um, That's an understandable loss. And then, look, Steelers, we know what happens with the Steelers and the Ravens. Those games oftentimes are are very weird. And uh, in this case, it was the same thing, right? But the Ravens had an opportunity in this game, right? They had an opportunity to kind of set up, take on the, the the team that everyone has anointed to be the best team in football, which is San Francisco 49ers, a team that I thought I had this game as a lock of the week. I thought the Niners were going to prove it again. And their defense showed out. And they attacked the Niners in a way that I think is the way if you're going to play this San Francisco team and have a shot, which is you have, have, have to heat up Brock Purdy, right? Purdy is – a very, has been very good this year. And we've said that all year. He's not the MVP. He's 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 not because that roster is absolutely outrageously good. Uh, I think Lamar and that performance we saw on Christmas night kind of said, hey, look, like I may not have the most outrageously impressive st- stats, but inarguably, I think this is his year once again to win MVP. It's not the 2019 year when he had all those insane rushing touchdowns and rushing stats and over a thousand yards on the ground and I think 3000 in the air. It's not that, but what it is, is just methodically running the offense the way he's supposed, it's supposed to be ran, right? Every single drive of that game, every time the ball's in Lamar's hands, he's trying to run the offense. And then when it breaks down, when there's nothing there, then you see Lamar scramble on third and 12 and make an unbelievable play to keep the drive alive because he is better at that than arguably anyone who's ever played football. Like, 
You could say Michael Vick, you could say Randall Cunningham, you can talk about Steve Young, the greatest running quarterbacks of all time. No one is as good as Lamar. He is impossible to bring down an open field. And he's got that elusiveness that Mahomes has, and he's still looking to throw the ball. Like he he's operating the offense first, using his legs to bail him out of situations. And when they started with Lamar at quarterback, one of the things in this whole era started with Baltimore was, you know, Baltimore changed their entire offense. They were running 31 personnel almost exclusively. They had three tight ends on the field constantly. Right. And the running backs were just there to kind of help aid it. And it was this modern twist, you know, that, that Greg Roman offense was like this modern twist where it was all about the running game to set up the pass, to set up the run. And it, every play had multiple options on it, the tight end play, the blocking, like all of that stuff, Patrick Ricard, like it was a very creative offense, but ultimately it, it kind of got stale. And they realized that if we're going to be that top tier team, we need the wide receivers. We need explosive talent. We need guys who can, who can take over games as wide receivers who at least can find ways to get open and help Lamar make explosive plays that aren't just Lamar running the football. And what we've seen now is Lamar has enough weapons, even though they're not the top group. It's not Jamar Chase and T Higgins. It's not AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. It's not in that tier, but really good weapons while still being able to run the ball. And so offensively, the Ravens were phenomenal. What they did defensively to me was more impressive, which is how do you stop this offense, right? And I said, you got to heat up Rock Purdy. And, and Mike McDonald sat down and said, we are going to send pressure to the weak side of that offensive line over and over and over again until we get home. And then you're going to rely on – and the one thing that I think goes – should be said more that I don't think we've talked about enough is what makes the San Francisco 49ers so special is their ability to break tackles in the open field right? They are so hard to bring down. The thing that's made this Ravens defense really special is their ability to tackle in the open field. It's the number one team in broken tackles and the number one and the best tackling team in football going head to head. And so even when they did get the ball to Debo and for the most part, when they got the ball to McCaffrey, they were hard to bring down, right? And when we had the safety and then the, the touchdown drive where they throw it to Kittle and he gets it down to the you know 15 yard line and the McCaffrey finds a way to get him. I'm like, all right, here we go. Niners running all over again. And that defense said, all right, we see it. We're still coming after you. And whether it's Jadavian Clowney, who's playing phenomenal for this Baltimore Ravens team, despite the fact that wearing 24 or 23, whatever number he's wearing, is very weird to see on the defensive end. He's been phenomenal. Uh, always been awesome. The interior part of the defensive line is really good. But that whole defense runs through two guys. And it's Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton is a difference maker. And that's what we talked about when we previewed this game, right? We said – if the Ravens win this game, it's because Kyle Hamilton is all over the field. He matches up with McCaffrey. He can cover Debo and tackle him in the open field. He can be in, in one quarter of the field and be on the opposite quarter in the field in like four seconds. It's insane. His side to side and, and his game speed and his instincts and in that put your plant your foot in the ground and go type of stuff. Like Kyle Hamilton, I wanted the Eagles to draft him over Jordan Davis. I'm not mad that they drafted Jordan Davis because Jordan Davis is a really good player, but there was a reason that I wanted Kyle Hamilton to be a Philadelphia Eagle. And it's for this exact reason, right? Because he is that X factor type of defensive player that if you use him correctly, he is a game changer. He's, he's like Tyron Matthew, you know, he's like those great safeties of the past because safety is a position where you can get by and there's not a lot of guys who necessarily stand out as like pure, you know, difference makers, game changing type guys. 
we went through that era in the early 2000s when you had Ed Reed and Troy Palomalo and Brian Dawkins, Sean Taylor. You had these guys who were game-changing players. And that position now is just not as valuable because the analytics tell us, hey, you got to build through the offensive and defensive line, which is still true. And that's why the Ravens are still really good because they have a very good offensive line. They have a very good defensive line. But when you can add a piece who is a difference maker, when you can add a piece like a Kyle Hamilton who can cover every position, who is a short tackler, who makes big-time plays. He had two picks in this game. And that's how you beat the San Francisco 49ers, is being a really, really good tackling team, having game-changing type players, and heating up Brock Purdy, right? Because if you have guys who can force turnovers, who can make big-time plays to turn the ball over, that's really your only shot. Because ultimately, like, the Niners still move the ball in this game. It's not like the Niners went through and, like, couldn't move the ball at all. Uh, And even after Brock Purdy got hurt, right, like, they were still able to move the ball consistently. They had uh, over 400, they had 429 yards of total offense in this game. Hardy threw for 255. McCaffrey had over 100 yards. Like, they moved the ball consistently. Um, in fact, they outgained the Baltimore Ravens in this game. But the big stat, right, it's five interceptions, four of which came from Brock Purdy. And while Brock Purdy has been really good, the one way you can stop them, the one way, the, the weak link in this offense is the right side of the offensive line, who, which has been very good this year, and Brock Purdy. Like, Brock Purdy not being that game-changing player, but he's more, he's not a game manager. Uh, he, he's he's a very, very good starter. He, I don't even necessarily think he's a system guy, because I think the whole system quarterback thing is kind of overrated to begin with, because Every single quarterback is in a system, and we've seen, just like we saw on Christmas Day, Mahomes. Is is Mahomes a system guy, right, because he he doesn't have wide receivers now? It's like a quarterback. Quarterback is the most important position in sports, and it's also the most dependent on other people in sports. If you want to be a really good quarterback, you need – like, look, we just talked about Lamar Jackson. Like, Lamar Jackson had Mark Andrews and Willie Sneed and and guys like that as as wide receivers for so long. And now he actually has – explosive players zay flowers things can be a good player for a long time odell beckham he's not prime odell but he's still a very good wide receiver aguilar has been good for them rashad bateman has been pretty good for them and then they have good tight end play isaiah likely filling in for uh, mark andrews and this team and them still being this good being able to move the football is really impressive and and it it says a lot about what the offense that they're running now Right. The, the the offense, new offensive coordinator coming in, changing away from the Greg Roman style. Right. The Todd Munkin offense is is very good. Um, and there's no question that schematically they've done a good job of finding ways to get the ball to wide receivers and playmakers easy. But it's Lamar's commitment to. The system. Right. And it's his it's, it's his offensive formula. Right. And, and it's him committing to it. There are times when Lamar's not going to be able to do it. They played Cleveland. Cleveland got pressure on Lamar, and Lamar made a bunch of mistakes, and he wasn't great in that game. Brock Purdy can run this system really, really well. He's a very good quarterback, but he's also the weakest link outside of the right side of the offensive line. Because when when the play breaks down, Lamar can still do stuff. Mahomes can still figure out ways to do stuff. Those are the guys who are your MVPs. Rodgers, Peyton, Brady, they did it more before the snap, changing the play at the line of scrimmage, but being able to adapt to what the defense is trying to do to you, that's what made those guys special. Purdy's made a bunch of really amazing throws this year. Purdy's been very good for this entire year. I've been saying that all season. It's no discredit to Brock Purdy. But 
when you heat him up and he doesn't have time and he gets flustered and he's not able to get the ball to the players that he needs to get the ball to, he is very human. He can be very average and there's a reason he he doesn't have the un, you know the uh, the intangibles that a guy like Lamar has like by pure athleticism alone he doesn't have those types of skills but he can still be really good right he, you know and that's what this offense has been but when you play a team that can heat you up when you play a team that's going to bring the pressure who's going to make you feel uncomfortable it's a complete game changer and it, and it forces Purdy to do stuff that he really isn't capable of doing because he doesn't contain the athleticism, the skill set to be able to do it. Now, I know we have a lot of Niners fans. We don't have Scotty with us today. He's going to be on. We're going to get his reaction. He was not happy during the game, as I'm sure all Niners fans weren't happy during that game. I totally understand it. Purdy and this San Francisco offense is going to be fine. They really are. They really are. My curiosity defensively I've been trying to see like, is is there something we're missing right is there something that I'm missing from this game right is, is there something that the defense got exposed of the San Francisco 49ers I don't think so I think when an offense has five turnovers and forces the defense back onto the field and you only give up 33 points that's actually not too bad <laughs> like all things considered that is not that bad Against a good offense and against a uh, Lamar Jackson-led offense, you give five additional opportunities for them to score. They're like they're going to score. They're going to find ways to score. It's just going to happen in the NFL with an offense that good with Lamar Jackson, who is that good. Lamar moves to twenty and one his career against NFC teams, which is a pretty remarkable stat. Um, I don't come away from this feeling like the Niners are out of it. I think. The next time they play this, this game reminds me of the Eagles game, right? In the NFC championship last year, where the Eagles punched San Francisco in the mouth and they weren't ready for it. And Purdy wasn't ready for it. And then they did it enough times. Purdy got hurt. And then the game was over, right? We know how that story went out. The problem was that was the last game of the season for them. San Francisco has more games ahead. San Francisco can take this and learn from it. Like they did from that Eagles game to then play them a month ago and beat the living shit out of the Eagles. <laughs> you know, like they, they will take stuff from this game, improve upon it. And if this is a Super Bowl preview, the game will look very different for San Francisco. Offensively, they're going to need to help blocking on the right side. Trump Williams had a groin issue. They pulled him out. The game felt like it was over at that point. I think that was the smart call. I'm going to be very, very curious to watch what this team does moving forward because they they have to make changes. They know that, right? They, there's no choice. They have to make changes. Um, but I'll I'll say this, right? Like, the Niners are still the most talented team in football, and they played a defense that is uniquely set up to handle their offense. I don't think they're done by any means. I think saying that they're done is a complete overreaction. This is their first bad game this year when fully healthy. Like, think about that. We're in week 16, going into week 17. This is the first bad game the Niners have played when they were fully healthy. I know that the Vikings game was bad. The Browns game was, was bad. But this game, I mean, Debo got knocked out in the first quarter of that game against Cleveland. Trent Williams 
got rolled up on on the opening drive. He played the rest of that game, but he was nowhere near the Trent Williams we're accustomed to seeing. This is the first game that they played poorly while fully healthy. And it, honestly, every team needs to get punched in the mouth to see how do you respond. Because how you respond says just as much about you, if not more, than anything else, right? Part of the reason why I've been so down on the Eagles, they got punched in the mouth, mouth by San Francisco after going on that crazy stretch of games. Yes, we know it was hard. How did they respond? They laid down and got beat up even worse, arguably, by the Dallas Cowboys. How did they respond to that? They're losing on the last second play to fucking Drew Locke. Like that to me is a big reason why I'm not like, I'm, I don't think the Eagles are in that top tier. I don't think the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender. You know, I mean, they'll be in the playoffs. They might win the first round, but I don't think they have that, that next gear because I think there's something seriously wrong. I don't think that same issue will be here with the 49ers. I think the 49ers come back from this and come back even harder. Now they have a great opponent to do it against. They get to play Washington and I think they're probably going to hang 60 points on Washington. And maybe Purdy comes back from that. We talk about Purdy being in the national championship again. I, the MVP conversation again, maybe. I I feel like this game is probably too bad. I think people are going to – I feel like it's kind of Lamar's now. But that's what we do too, right? We overreact to one game and we flip-flop back and forth. And, again, I mean, they could put – he could throw eight touchdowns next week and break the record and we'll be like, I don't know, Brock Purdy, though, he might be the MVP. Um, either way – the Ravens proved to me something that like I thought I knew, which was like that game against Detroit, that game against Seattle, where it was like, these are the biggest games that they played it to that point. I was like, I know how hesitant, right? Cause they had some other weird, weird close games in the mix there. I think what we've learned is that this Baltimore team can beat anybody and can do it. However they want. They are physical. They're nasty. It, it's interesting. I, I San Francisco would still be my pick to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, we'll see how the rest of this goes. Uh, but man, the Ravens were fucking impressive because I I didn't know I didn't know what to expect. Right, they Seattle that game against Seattle where they beat the shit out of Seattle. I was like, eh, that's not that great of a you know win in hindsight. Like at the time, I thought it was a impressive win. Now it doesn't seem like it's that impressive. Um, and that game, I mean, obviously, you beat anybody by a lot of points. It's impressive. But I just mean in terms of, like, winning a big game against a really, really good team. Like that one in the Lions game were the two games. I'm like, all right, you're playing a really, really good team right now. What do you look like? They looked really fucking good. And then that Seattle win didn't seem as impressive. Then they did it against the Lions. Uh, might have had those backwards. Might have been Seahawks, Lions, Lions, Seahawks. But the Lions one, I was like, all right, well, the Lions defensively got exposed. We knew that. Their youth, right? And and the Lions are still a really good football team. They have 11 wins. They, they won the NFC North for the first time uh, since it's been called the NFC North, which is awesome. I love that for Detroit. I love they're getting a home playoff game. Can't wait. I still am a little cautious, a little bit, um, to say that Detroit is a really, really good football team. I think they're a very good football team. But when the Ra when the Ravens beat up on them that bad, I was like, eh, I don't know. That game just kind of was over in the first quarter, and just sometimes games like that happen, and you just never get back, right? And again, that could have been the weird game. The fact that they did it to Seattle, Detroit, and the Ravens, or and the the Niners, especially the Niners, like this was the one I was like, I was expecting this to be a close game. I thought the Niners would win. I thought the Niners actually cover the five and a half. I thought it'd be about a touchdown, but I thought it'd be back and forth. I did not expect this. I did not. Um, and I'll tell you what, if this is a Super Bowl preview, I'm excited. 
And I think this is great too. And the last thing I say before we move on to the next game, but this is a great result because it felt inevitable that the Niners were just going to beat the shit out of everybody for the rest of the season. That was just going to be how the season ended. That's not what we're getting. Like this loss and it being this bad makes it feel like, oh, maybe this is a little more open ended than we thought. And the next game we're going to talk about Miami and Dallas. I think Miami's a legitimate contender too. I think Miami is uniquely set up to potentially be a team, and we're going to see that this week, but I think they're uniquely set up to be a team that can beat a team like Baltimore, right? Because of Tyreek Hill, because of Jalen Wild, because of the speed, because of the creativity. Kyle Hamilton's great, but he's not Tyreek Hill fast, right? He's he's fast. He's not Tyreek Hill fast. He's quick, agile. The running game for Miami will be a problem against uh, against Baltimore, because I think they'll have some serious trouble there, and the offensive line for Miami is, is definitely a problem. Um, but what the Dolphins did to the Dallas Cowboys, I, I thought was one of the most impressive wins of the season. Um, Two of throwing for almost 300 yards, 91 yards on the ground. They did a really good job defensively against an offense that had been pretty explosive all season, right? And for the most part in this game, it felt like Miami had – a decent control in it. And, and look, we, we kind of talked about these two teams being very similar and for, in a lot of ways they are right They're They're, they're, they're seasons kind of were mimicking each other almost to, to some degree. I think the dolphins are legit. I, I really do. I think they play way more physical than we give them credit for because of the colors, because they play Miami because of the speed, whatever. I think the biggest difference here for, Miami's I think that defense like I think it's it's going to be almost impossible to hold the Dolphins to under like they scored 22 in this game but just on average I think it's really really difficult to hold this Dolphins team to under like 25 points but I think this Dolphins team can hold other teams below them like I think they can either outscore people I think their defense can carry the way and that's what happened here and that final drive to get them down to kick the field goal like Tua ran it masterfully right absolutely perfect the fact that they have multiple running backs who you could they can throw at you, Mostert, A-Chain, Jeff Wilson. I mean, Jeff Wilson was in on the final drive to get them down in the field goal range, and he was pretty good, right? Five carries for 21 yards. Uh, A-Chain, I, I still feel like he's going to be a big play back. Like, he, he, every time he touches the ball, he has that chance to break it open. Miami's good, man. Like, they are really good. And I think it took getting hit in the mouth a couple times by some good teams right, the Eagles, and then obviously that that weird loss to Tennessee. But that's the thing is, like, the Dolphins could lose to anybody, and I, I wouldn't be completely shocked. But I also think they can beat every single team in football. And I I, I am very much looking forward, forward to Baltimore and Miami because, uh, I mean, that game's going to decide the, the who gets the one seed. So, you know, get your popcorn ready, all that good stuff. But that game, that game will be a lot of fun to watch. Um, Dallas, I think Dallas is continuing to show like, I thought Dallas was different this year. And maybe that was just a scared Eagles fan, not hope, hoping that it wouldn't be the case. But I thought Dallas was a better version of Dallas this year than what we had seen before. I think it's just, I think that's, it's the same team. You know, I think it's the same shit, different font, you know, they're just continuing to run the same stuff back. Um, but look, I, I do think Miami is, is legit. I don't think. Dallas is any different than years past, but I still think Dallas has enough talent there that they could beat anybody. But if they get into the NFC championship game and they play San Francisco, like I expect San Francisco to smash them in the mouth. Cause I just, I don't think, I don't think anyone in the NFC can really hang 
with San Francisco still, even after what we saw in that game. Now, maybe, you know, Micah Parsons has a career day. Demarcus Lawrence has a career day, whatever. They get to Brock Purdy seven times and turn the ball over and next thing the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. That's a very, very possible outcome. You know, it's it's very possible. I don't think it's going to happen, um, especially the way that teams like Tampa Bay are playing, the Rams, uh, even Detroit. Like, I think getting for, for Dallas to get through – to the, the NFC championship game, the two wins they're going to have to have are going to have to be like games that you probably don't want to play. Now, if they, you know, draw the bucks, right. They get the five seed and they play the bucks in the first round, they beat the bucks and then they get Philly. I I think that's a pretty, probably the easiest road for Dallas. Cause I think, well, I think they can beat Tampa Bay. I also think Tampa Bay can beat them. Uh, and they definitely can beat Philly. And I think they know that. And the way Philly's reeling right now, um, it's pretty crazy. So actually, let's talk about the Eagles real quick. Um, they won a football game. That's great. Um, this team is freaking broken, dude. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, there's going to be a Seth Wickersham type article at the end of the season that's going to explain something. But there's something seriously wrong with this football team. And I don't know if it's Sirianni. I don't know. Maybe Sirianni wasn't as didn't do as much for the offense last year as we thought. Maybe he's you know, and now that some of that's come back on him, some of the offensive stuff is exposing him. I mean, he had Steichen, right, the first two years in Philly, and the offense honestly looks better. And 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 look, I understand they put up what was a thirty four points in this game, right? I I understand the Eagles didn't look horrible. I, I'm not trying to say they thirty three points. The defense is a major problem. Um, Tyrod Taylor came in and looked awesome immediately, right? And that that can happen. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm glad, but like this defensive line has all this talent. Like when Tommy DeVito's back there, they're going up against a team that gave up the most or second most sacks of the season. The Eagles couldn't get fucking home. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that like we're at a point right now where the the best defensive lineman for the Eagles is Jalen Carter. It, it is. I mean, the Eagles had one sack in this game, and it was Shaq Leonard on a blitz. You're going up against a terrible offensive line. You have Hassan Reddick. You know, you you have Jordan Davis. I don't know why they're not playing Nolan Smith more because his reps have been awesome. You spent a first-round draft pick on the guy. You're not letting him play. Josh Sweat, where have you been, dude? Like, he was great in the first half of the season. He's done nothing in the second half. Uh, the fact that this was a game is so concerning. And I know that there were injuries and guys out, right? No uh, – the offensive line was missing. Uh, Landon Dickerson, defense is missing guys. They had – uh, an undrafted rookie playing starting quarterback next to Shaq Leonard, uh, Ben Van Sumeren, um, who actually was okay. He played all right. Keely, Keely Ringo was a bit of a bright spot. I actually thought he played pretty well. I think going up against the Giants wide receivers, you know, that's that it's an easier draw than, say, going up against CeeDee Lamb or some of these other guys. But I was actually pretty impressed with what I saw from Ke- Keely Ringo. Bradbury's cooked, dude. Bradbury's so bad. I mean, he was getting cooked by Darren Waller. You know, if Darren Waller holds on to a couple of drops as early in the game, I, I seriously think the Giants could have won this game. It probably should have. I, I thought the Eagles were, were terrible. Um, and then, look, this is what I said when we previewed this game, too. It's like there's no way the Eagles should be a 13-half-point favorite against anybody. Against anybody. Uh, there are The quotes coming out of the locker room afterwards are bad. I mean, Devontae Smith getting over 1,000 yards again, second time in his career. They asked him questions about it. He's like, I don't care, dude. I don't give a shit. I was like, we were playing terrible football right now. And they are. That's the correct attitude to have. They've been a bad football team 
for a while now. You know, it, it's something in that San Francisco game broke them, right? They And even before that, like I'd said it all year, this team doesn't look great, but they keep finding ways to win games. And we, we got to vote. We couldn't explain it because it didn't make sense. How is this team playing so bad, but still finding miraculous ways to win football games, right? And that's because the talent, it's a, it's the talent is, is overcoming the coaching and a lot of those moments in games like this. At some point, you just have more dudes than the other team. So the coaching doesn't fucking matter, right? They, that old expression in football, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. The Jimmy's and Joe's are carrying the way right now because the X's and O's are dog shit. All right, I don't know what's going on with that defense. Matt, Patricia, Sean Desai, what, whatever. It is a clusterfuck. I think Sirianni looks crazy in over his head. You know, and had two, albeit like I didn't love Jonathan Gannon. Um, and the numbers speak for themselves with Gannon as a defensive coordinator. I didn't like Jonathan Gannon, but credit where credit's due, he was better than what they have right now, which is insane to say. I actually liked a lot of what Desai was doing early in the season, and I don't know why it stopped working. I think the players have lost trust in the coaching staff. I think the players have lost trust in Sirianni. I, I think the rah rah shit that he says, I the, the where's like the accountability board, right? They would go through every single play and mark off everyone's accountability. Like, where's all that stuff? I don't know. You know, you have a good offensive line. You have DeAndre Swift. You have AJ Brown, and you have um, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. There was one completed pass in that game on on Christmas over the middle of the field, one, and that was the touchdown to Devontae Smith. I mean, th- that's insane. There was only one other attempt, and that was like on the hash mark, so it was barely considered. And that was the one that almost got picked off um, on the slant route to A.J. Brown. I I don't know why. I Maybe Jalen just isn't seeing the middle of the field, and they're too afraid. I mean, the Jalen Hurts regression is real, man. Like, he, he has not been good. That decision to when he, he could have stepped out of bounds right before the half and trying to get there and take on five New York Giants players, I mean, it's the definition of, of trying to do too much. You step out of bound there. You have six seconds on the clock. You get one more shot at the end zone. If that doesn't work, that stops the clock. And you go out there and you kick a field goal. But you have no timeouts. I mean, it was moronic. And that's not the type of shit that, that Jalen does, which is, again, there's something off with this team. They have 11 wins. It's It's been a weird season. The highs have been super high and super fun. The lows have been really low. I, and right now, it just it, there's a funk with this team. I mean, the fumble on the opening kickoff in the second half was like, what are we doing? You need to put circus music underneath that. Uh, it's it's bad. Uh, and I know Vito will, would tell me, oh, what are you talking about, man? They're 11 and 14. You're so negative. All this. I, I see what my eyes are seeing, right? Like, I, I see it. I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not. You can look at the record and say, oh, the only thing that matters is wins and loses. Okay, fine. Say whatever you want. They've looked like a bad football team for a month. And if you really are an 11-4 and football team, I mean, they have, going into this, they had the third worst point differential for a 10-4 and football team of all time. All time. I, I mean, anything can happen, right? Sure, maybe they get it together. But this was supposed to be the first of the get-right games, and it didn't feel like a get-right game. It surely didn't. The opening drive looked great. Boom, halftime, 20 to 3, cakewalk, 15 unanswered points in the third quarter. 
And then you bounce back from that, right? And you score a couple, you score a touchdown, get that lead back up again. Boom, 70-yard touchdown pass. And all of a sudden, it's a fucking game again. And I, they won the game. They dominated most of it. But that's more to do with talent. And I think the biggest thing is the players are coming out and saying things. AJ Brown said, I was raised, if I don't have anything nice to say, not to say at all. So I'm not doing my press conference. Find me if you want. He declined to talk after the game. And so I don't know if this is frustration with Jalen. I don't know if this is at Sirianni. But there's there's some seriously like broken stuff. And all I'm saying is just keep an eye out. <laughs> keep an eye out for that article that's going to come out that's going to explain the team has lost trust in Sirianni. The team is doing this. I guarantee you Jeffrey Lurie's not happy. I guarantee you Harry Roseman's not happy. He's like, hey, dude, I got like this fucking awesome team full of tons of talent. Can you please do something? And look, the the Bradbury contract's gonna look terrible, right? Like no GM bats a hunt, bats a thousand. But he's doing things he can, right? He's trying to give these guys as much pieces. And ultimately, like this offense, this scheme, whatever they're running, the, the Eagles system is awful. And they have an offense coordinator who is incapable of getting Jalen Hurts into a rhythm. Jalen's afraid to see the throw over the center of the field. He's not seeing the field. He's not seeing coverages. It's not a good time, man. It's just, it's not. And I know Vito and everyone else, people tell me I'm being dramatic. If the players are saying it, then I feel very confident in saying like, there's, there's something wrong. Right. And, and I've spent many, many hours cutting up audio from coaches, press conference and players, press conferences. I have a pretty good read on my bullshit detector on, you know, post games, clips and, and what players are saying, what coaches are saying. And I think Sirianni's in over his head right now. And I think they're struggling to try to figure stuff out. And I think the locker room is, is a mess and they hear it, they feel it. And it's very apparent on, on Sunday, right. You know, when, when they come out and play, it's very, very apparent. Uh, all right. We can move on for that one. The last one I want to mention on here in this game, uh, the Christmas Eve games were fun. You know, it's nice to have that on the Lions. Like I said, they get their win shout to them. Um, the Falcons with a big comeback game. The Bills game was like, what the fuck is... I screwed me out of making the, the championship for my fantasy team. Thanks to Fon Diggs. Um, and that's the thing with the Bills. Again, like, look, they win. They escape. But you got Easton Stick and a team with a newly fired head coach. And you almost blow that game to a team this bad who just gave up 63 points the week before to the, the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, you, I think that was that team, that game, right? Let me double check. I'm trying to make sure. Yeah. 63, 21. That's right. Cause that was one that fired Staley. Okay. I was right. I was right. I need to trust my gut more. Uh, the Steelers dominated the Bengals. That game was wild too. Mason Rudolph with just an absolute monster, monster game. Um, the last one I want to mention here is the Raiders and Chiefs. <clears throat> Similarly to the Eagles, it does feel like there's something going on. Um, the defense for the Chiefs is not nearly as dominant as it was um, at the beginning of the season, but it's still been pretty good. I also want to give credit to the Raiders because I think the Raiders have been playing really good football um, for a while. And basically since Antonio Pierce has taken over, I mean, I'm pretty sure this team's above 500 under Antonio Pierce. I think he needs to be the the head coach. If I'm if I'm Mark Davis, like 
he's proven it to me, especially if the Raiders find a way, if they win their last two games and they're nine and eight and sneak into the playoffs. I mean, that would be, that'd be fucking awesome. I would love, love that. Um, but clearly there's some issues with this offense and it, it, it's, it's a couple of different things, right? It's, I think the scheme, the offensive scheme that they run, right? The West coast stuff, a lot of screens, they try to get really cute with it. Um, that stuff kills you, but like, let's be honest. Like what, what lost this game for the chiefs back-to-back mistakes by Mahomes? why you're trying to run an option with the quarterback being the running back. Right. And, and cause that, that handoff there is really, really hard to do. All right. I coached it with high school kids. It's really hard. That mesh point where you are holding it in, trying to draw the defensive end to come in. It takes Hours and hours and hours and reps and reps of uh, over the years to get good at that. Jalen Hurts, that's like one of the things he does best, and they don't run that this year for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe that's part of his injury stuff, but they ran it a ton last year. They ran a ton with Shane Steichen because Jalen's so good at holding on to that ball because ultimately the running back has to wait and be like, am I about to get blown up right now with the pocket open? Like, am I about to get blown up right now by a running back because J- the quarterback is waiting to decide whether to hand the ball off or not. And that skill takes hours of practice. And to trust Isaiah Pacheco, who's great, but to trust him with that decision, right? And Mahomes, who probably hasn't taken a handoff since he was a child, right? Holding that all, like holding that in like that, the quarterback, whoever's playing the running back in that position can't take it. You have to wait until it's given. You have to wait until you feel the quarterback let go of the football to take it, right? And it's the quarterback's job or the person handing the balls off job, in this case it was Isaiah Pacheco, to make sure that you give him the ball. And once you feel his hands let go, then you grab onto it as the as the running back. But holding onto it at that mesh point is really hard. So to, to, to run that play, I thought, was the epitome of the Chiefs trying to be too cute, right? And usually when the Chiefs do that, it's like, ah, oh, they're bored. They want to do something fun. This feels like it's almost desperation because the offense has been so, so bad. And and the one thing that I think we've seen the Chiefs struggle with here too that hasn't – because we've talked so much about the wide receivers, the offensive line's not very good. You know, Creed Humphrey in the middle is really good, but the the exterior part of me, Max Crosby was in Patrick Mahomes' lap the entire game. And there was just nothing he could do to get out of it. And so then they run another play after they they have the touchdown there. And it's another Mahomes mistake because he's feeling pressure. He's trying to throw on one foot, doing the Mahomes miracle throw. And it's a bad mistake, right? And that's ultimately what cost them this, this game. I mean, they, they held the Raiders from getting into the end zone, right? And look, the Raiders offense, no Josh Jacobs, Aiden O'Connell is doing his best. They weren't able to move the ball great. And I thought the Chiefs defense looked really good in this game. It looked better in this game than they have in the last few games. I just still don't think they're as dominant as we thought in the beginning. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe, you know, someone can tell me why I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I feel like the chiefs defense is, is, is good, but not like jets, Cleveland's Baltimore, San Francisco. Good. Like, I think they're like right at that, like 10 spot, which is, which is great. I mean, it's a good spot to be in. If you're, if you're a defense, Normally, when you'd say if you give Mahomes a top 10 defense, you'd be like, oh, they're probably not going to lose a game all season, right? That's not what's happening. The offense is is clearly the problem. It, it feels clunky. It feels disjointed. Um, and the frustration is is there. I mean, Travis Kelsey had a bad drop in this game. 
Um, there's just there's, there's more and more of that we've seen this season um, than we've ever seen with the Chiefs. And I, I think part of it is the double teams that Travis Kelsey's getting that, you know, he's just not as much of an open target. I think part of it too is I, I do think he's slowed down. I don't, I, it's, it's not to say that he's not still, I mean, he's still leading the league at tight ends and in, in wide receiving yards. Part of that's because no other offense uses a tight end as um, prevalently as, as the chiefs do with, with Kelsey. Uh, he's also been healthy and played every single game. I think Goddard would be up there with him if he had, you know, didn't miss those three games, but they used to rely on him to be a hundred plus yards, you know, 10 catches, hundred yards. You could always get open. And now it feels like they, if if that's not there and he's not getting open because they are double teaming him and they're shading people over the top and they're bracket coveraging him wherever he goes around the field. And then on top of that, he's dropping balls. Uh, to me, Kelsey has become not a non-factor, obviously, but he's, he's, he's not the guy that you can run the entire offense through. And so if you can't run it through him, because of how much attention he's getting thrown, they're not consistently running the football, which I think would help them. And the wide receivers on the outside are not doing good enough job of getting open and making plays. Like Rasheed Rice is nice. Like I think he's actually a very solid player, and I think he's going to be a rely. He's the the most reliable wide receiver on that team, no question. But they don't have that other guy that they can go to. So it's like, all right, well, Pacheco out of the backfield, Clyde Edwards, Lair out of the backfield, and then Kelsey and and. Rasheed Rice and like that's that's pretty much it and and none of those guys are are Kelsey is a difference maker when he's not getting double covered every single time like Kelsey still is that good but he's getting double covered on almost every single play you know he's he's getting extra attention constantly teams are being like hey we're going to take away Kelsey as much as we can and then see what you do after that right because right now it seems like they're not really able to do much of anything I mean uh Kelsey had five catches for 44 yards that's a good day you know for most tight ends for Kelsey, that's like that's not what that's not going to get the job done. Um, and, and I'm sorry, whether it's Justin Watson, I mean, Mahomes completed 27 passes in this game, and Pacheco had four of them for five yards. Uh, sorry, four of them for zero yards, um, because he had a couple of negative yardage plays there. He actually had a five yarder and then lost it all. Um but I mean, you can't throw to Justin Ross. MBS had multiple targets, zero catches. Uh, Blake Bell, Noah Gray, Justin Watson. I mean, these are the guys that they're relying on right now. Richie James, like that. That's that's not going to be enough to do it. And yet, you look on the other side, and you're like, well, yeah, that guy, uh, that guy Patrick Mahomes is still pretty fucking good. So I don't know if I want to bet against him. <laughs> um. I think they're clearly struggling. I mean, we saw a fake punt in this game. Uh, this feels more desperate than it does the, the Chiefs being, like, creative. And they need to fix it, man. Because um, the defense is is good, right? I, again, I don't think they're on that top tier. They are good. I don't think they're great. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, um yeah, let's uh before we do want to recap the week. Scotty uh went let's see, Scotty went three and one in his locks. I went one, one, and one, and Vito went one, two, and one. Our overall picks for the week. Scotty went seven, eight, and one. I went nine, six, and one, and Vito went eight, seven, and one. So we will uh we'll do the math and get all that up. Like I said, I'm here in Philly right now. 
Uh, I'm about to go get myself a cheesesteak for my favorite cheesesteak spot. Shout out to Alessandro's. Uh, hang out with a couple of buddies from high school and uh, going to help celebrate the last little bit of Christmas here before we get into the new year. So uh, we will be back later in the week pod on Friday. So get ready for that. And until then, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, we will dive into some other stuff, get Scotty's reaction and Vito's reaction, their thoughts on uh, on the other side. So everyone, thank you so much again. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. And uh, we'll talk to you guys before week 17 of the NFL season. Until then, take it easy.